I used to work out on a regular basis, believe it or not. I used to, I was a workout fiend. When I was in college, when I went away to Indiana State, I would work out a lot. We had uh, health clubs in our dormitories. And so there I was uh, at Cromwell Hall at the campus of Indiana State, and I would work out three, four times a week. I would go downstairs, and I would work out. I mean, I was like buff. Imagine that. But I would, I would use the Stairmaster. I'd get on the Stairmaster, and I would just Stairmaster like there was no tomorrow. I would get on the treadmill, and I would walk for miles. I would lift free weights, bench presses, curls. I would use machine weights, and I would do this, whatever this is. This I did, you know. I did leg squats, you know, with heavy weight, and I did leg thrusts. And I mean, I was, I worked out. Why? Girls. <laughs> Just that simple. I'm 20 years old, you know. It's like, why do guys do most things? You know, it's for girls. And so uh, I had girls on my mind. School? Yeah, I did some school work, but really I wanted to work out so I would look good so that I could get dates. Fast forward a few years, and I go to Lincoln Christian College in Lincoln, Illinois, and I hadn't worked out for a while. And uh, I had put on a few dozen pounds, and I met the girl of my dreams, and she liked me just the way I was. So the moral of the story is, well, there really is no moral to the story. I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell you not to work out because you probably should just to be healthy, you know, cholesterol and all that stuff. But there really is no moral to the story other than the fact that I used to really like to work out. And the reason was is because I wanted to build, you know, big, strong muscles. And I wanted to be, I did want to be healthy in, in a way. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's more than just in our lives. How many of you do like to work out? Do we have some workout people here? Okay, there's a few of you. Physical working out is hard. Lifting weights is hard. Doing time on the treadmill or on the Stairmaster is hard. Physical exercise is hard. But we are called to do more than just physical exercise in our lives. We are called to spiritually exercise as well. There are spiritual workouts that we have to do. Now, we are returning to First and Second Peter this morning in the series that we did, uh, that we began way back in January, uh, this series called Basic, and we're talking about the basics of our faith, the foundations of our faith, the very foundational things that we believe, the very ways that we are to live as Christians. And we've looked at the book of First Peter uh, through the first part of the year, and now we're picking up Second Peter, and from now until up until about Mother's Day, we're going to finish up Second Peter and uh, today is about uh, a spiritual exercise. It's about spiritually working out. Um, and it's about making every effort. And let's face it, working out, you know, physical exercise is an effort. It requires effort. For those of you who like to work out, how many of you just hop out of bed and go, can't wait to go work out? No, it's like, oh, man, the alarm's going off again and I've got to go to the gym. That's how it was for me. But there is a payoff, healthier lives, healthier bodies, healthier minds. Working out is good for your mind, or so they say. I tend to believe them because, you know, they do studies and stuff like that. So it's, it's good for you, 
And spiritually working out, spiritually exercising is good for us as well. We are talking about making every effort to grow in our faith. You see, we are not, uh, we do not have a passive faith. We do not have a faith that we can just kind of sit idly by and go, oh, whatever happens, happens. And if I grow in my faith, it's okay. And if I don't, it's all right. No, rather, we are to be making every effort to grow as Christians, to mature as Christians, to become fully surrendered, fully devoted, fully sold out followers of Jesus Christ. We have to grow in our faith. We have to build uh, physical, just as we have to build physical muscles, we need to build spiritual muscles. We need to get stronger in our faith. We need to get stronger in our walk with God. We need to mature as Christians. Bye, Ashton. (laughs) But we need to put in effort. We need to put in hard work. Just as when you go to the gym and you start working out, it's going to, there may be some soreness, some spiritual muscles you haven't used in a while. Just like when you go work out for the first time and it's been like 12 years since you've worked out. And you start lifting, and you're thinking, well, this isn't so bad. I got this. You know, and then you wake up the next day, and you can't move your arms past this. You look like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Ah! You sound like one, too. Ah, it hurts. That's always, it always drove me nuts about going to work out for the first time in a long time. I'd be doing curls. It's like, yeah. And then the next day, I can't bend my arms <laughs> trying to write my name and trying to type at the keyboard. It, it it does create soreness, and, and when you haven't used those muscles for a long time, it, it can be painful. Same thing goes spiritually. When we go to spiritually exercise and spiritually work out, and we make every effort, as Peter tells us, we'll see that in just a moment, as we make every effort, it's going to require hard work, and it's going to require effort to grow in our faith and to become fully, de- fully devoted, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. It's hard work. Um, grab your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, grab a Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Grab the HDO, it's on the back of your bulletin. Today we're talking about God's desire that we make every effort and that we work at our faith, that we work at our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Peter once again identifies himself as the author of, the, of this letter. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need For life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter says that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need for life and godliness. And it comes from God's Power. That's the first blank on your outline this morning is God's power. Now, the Greek word for power is one that we've talked about before. It is the word dunamis. Can you say dunamis? 
What does that sound like? Sounds like, or maybe, how about the word dynamic? Or dynamite? That is the Greek word for power. It's from where we get our words dynamic or dynamite. When God talks about, when Peter talks about the power that God gives us, that by God's power we have everything we need for life and godliness, he is talking about an explosive power that comes by the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Jesus said at the end of the book of Luke that when the Holy Spirit comes, he would come in power. You would be clothed with power from on high. It's that Greek word dunamis, that Greek word for dynamic or dynamite. We have a dynamic, dynamite kind of power within us. God fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is always inside of us. And then Peter goes on to say that we become participants in the divine nature. That's an interesting phrase. And I thought to myself, about, as I was studying for this passage, for this sermon this week, I thought, what in the world does that mean, that we become participants in God's divine nature? Does it mean that we can become God? No. The Bible's very clear. There is only one God, made up of three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is only one God. We are not it. You, you are not God. Me, not God. All of us, together, collectively, we are not God. There is only one God. There is only one God. Father, Son, and Spirit. But we become participants in God's divine nature through the power of the Holy Spirit. We become participants in God's divine nature when we are born again. And Jesus said that everyone must be born again. Everyone must be born again. And that we are clothed with immortality, as Paul wrote. Paul says that we are clothed with immortality and we are clothed with the imperishable. We'll talk about that for just a second. But I want to look at John chapter 3, verse 3 first. Jesus declared, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And when we are born again by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, repenting from sin, confessing him as Lord and Savior, and being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, when we are born again, we are clothed with immortality. That's what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen. I tell you a mystery. We will all not sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. That when we participate in God's divine nature, we are clothed with immortality. We are made imperishable. We are given the promise of eternal life. We become participants in God's divine nature. By God's power and by his precious promises, as he writes, as, as Peter writes about, we become participants in God's divine nature. And we have the ability at that time, when we become participants in His divine nature, we have the ability to resist temptation, 
We have the ability to uh, say no to the things we should not do and yes to the things that we should do. We have power to overcome the trials, to overcome the temptations, and to overcome the tests that come our way. Now, does that make sense? Yes, no, maybe so. You know, uh, when I was reading through different commentaries about this idea of, of participation in the divine nature, there's a lot of different views. Some say it's by the Holy Spirit that we become participants in God's divine nature. Others believe that it's because we become immortal when, when we're born again, that though our bodies may die, our spirits will never die, our souls will live forever with Jesus that that means that we are participants in God's divine nature. So those are the two predominant thoughts for what that means. But what it means is that the fact is, is that you and me, as Christians, as born-again believers, we are participants in God's divine nature. And He has called us out of the darkness. He has called us into the light of His grace. We are now called to actively pursue the things of God. We are called to become better disciples of Jesus Christ. Peter says that we are to make every effort. To make every effort. And you know what that means? What that says to me? It says that being a follower of Jesus is hard work. Being a follower of Jesus is hard work. Christianity is not for wimps. Christianity is not for for weaklings. Christianity is not for people who just need a crutch to lean on. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. It is a constant challenge. As Christians, we are constantly being challenged to become more like Jesus. To be fully surrendered, fully devoted, and fully sold out and committed to Jesus Christ. And to do that requires hard work and effort. And as people... Let's face it, we tend to be lazy, don't we? We look for the path of least resistance. Oh man, if we can cut corners, if we can get out of work, we are going to do it. If we can lay in a hammock all day in the shade, we're going to do it. Not now, because it's, well, today's not bad, but you know, it's been in the 40s and it's not exactly hammock laying weather. But if if we can find the path of least resistance, we will take it. We don't want to work hard. Now, some people do for money, for benefits. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, we tend to be lazy. We don't pray as often as we should. We don't read our Bibles like we should. We attend church when we feel like it. We attend Bible study, well, maybe. We don't put a lot of hard work and effort. We put our faith on cruise control. It's like, okay, you know, I'm just going to bebop through life and then let Jesus take me home to heaven and then everything will be okay. Peter says three words. Make every effort to work hard, to do something about our faith, to not sit idly by and just wait for it to come to us, but rather to make every effort. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I'll talk about the next blank on your outline. Peter says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. 
So we have these eight characteristics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What reason does, does Peter give? He says, for this reason, make every effort. And what is the reason? It is God's call and God's promises that we are to be working at building up our faith in Christ. The next blank on your outline is our effort. Our effort. We are saved by God's power. We are filled with God's power. We are made participants in the divine nature by God's power. And now we are called to make an effort to work, to do something about our faith. And now faith is more than just believing in something. Faith is trusting God. Faith, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, in the book of James that even the demons believe that there is one God. And they shudder. They tremble at the knowledge that there is one God. Even they believe that there is one God. True faith, true belief is trusting God. Trusting Him for salvation. Trusting Him for provision. Trusting Him for healing. Trusting in God. Not just believing that there is a God, but trusting in Him for all of these things. You know, there's a, a story told of a, a tightrope a tight walker in Paris. Easy for me to say. But the story is told of a tightrope walker, tightrope, I can't say it, tightrope walker in Paris. And he did these incredible aerial feats. And um, he, would, uh, he would do, uh, he would walk tightropes at very high heights, uh, at tremendously high uh, heights. And... Uh, he would, uh, he would do these incredible things on the tightrope, and then he would do it blindfolded, you know, walk across the, blind, the tightrope blindfolded. And then he would take a wheelbarrow, and uh, he'd take this wheelbarrow, and he would walk across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow. And then he would turn around, and he'd do it backwards. And so he's doing the wheelbarrow thing on the tightrope and everything, and, and uh, he goes, um, uh, the, the promoter, said, I want to promote you, and I, I want to make you a, a big star, and I, I want to, uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I believe that you can do this, um, and uh, I want you to uh, do this over Niagara Falls. Now, the tightrope walker wrote back and says, I've never been to America, I've never seen the falls, but I would love to do it. So after a lot of promotion and setting up the whole thing and getting everything ready to go, uh, many people came to see the event. Tightrope Walker was going to start on the Canadian side and come to the American side. So the drums, you know, drums are rolling and everything like that. And he comes across the rope, suspended over the treacherous part of the falls, and he's blindfolded with this wheelbarrow. And he's walking across blindfolded with... Now, I suppose that you can do this blindfolded because there's really no other place for your foot to go, Right? I mean, it's just one place. I mean, you feel the rope underneath you. But anyway, he goes across the falls, blindfolded with the wheelbarrow. And he gets to the other side, and the promoter says, uh, he says, you know, you saw me do it, right? You believe that I can do this, right? And he says, absolutely. I really believe that you can do it. He goes, I just saw you did it. He goes, no, do you believe, do you really believe that I can do it? I saw you do it. No, do you believe that I can do it? Yes, I believe that you can do it. Good, now get in the wheelbarrow. See, that's the difference between believing in something and trusting. Believing and trusting. True faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. True faith is trusting God, not just believing in God. So 
Peter goes on to write about eight characteristics of what a growing Christian looks like. Eight areas that we need to make every effort. He says to add to your faith goodness. Add to your faith goodness. Goodness, the Greek word for goodness, um, goodness gracious, uh, the Greek word for goodness is a word that means correct behavior or moral excellence. How many of you have ever said to your kids, would you just be good? Right? <laughs> you know, I, I hear giggles because it's true. Just, would you just be good? I hear God calling across the universe. Sean, would you just be good? We are to add to our faith goodness. That is the first step. The first exercise we start doing is we start adding to our faith goodness. Moral excellence, correct behavior, doing the right things. Be good. To our goodness, then we are to add knowledge. Growing in our faith. Learning more about God. Learning more about Jesus. Learning to follow better. We add knowledge to goodness. To, good, to knowledge, to, God, to goodness and knowledge, we add self-control. This is a word, the Greek word for self-control is a word that is uh, related to sports. Um, it's, it's about training, strict training. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9.25, Paul wrote that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That phrase, strict training, is the same word here that is translated as self-control. I was reading in a, commentator, uh, in a commentary about uh, this passage, and he said that athletes in training would refrain from three things. They would refrain from unwholesome food, wine, and sexual indulgence. And it required self-control because the one thing that they had to do was they had to train. They had to work out. They had to exercise. And they had to put all of their thoughts and all of their focus on training their bodies and training their minds to compete in the games. In the game of life, in the game of Christianity, in being a follower of Jesus, in this game that we are in, we need to be self-controlled. We need to go into strict training. We need to be exercising and working out our spiritual muscles. Okay? So we add to our faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control we add perseverance. Perseverance is uh, pressing on, enduring, and, and moving through and persevering through the, the hard times of life, through the tests and the trials and the temptations. It's not giving up. It's not giving up. Let's face it. You've been working. I've been, I've been dieting. Uh, I've, I've lost 9, 10 pounds, somewhere in there. And uh, the first couple of weeks, it was great. You know, I'm doing Weight Watchers online. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm tracking my food. And I'm tracking how much water I'm drinking. And I'm doing it, right? And I'm losing weight. And it's like, I'm feeling good about myself, you know? I do the thing that all guys do. And you look in the mirror, it's like, eh, not too bad. Okay, getting better, you know? Don't have to wear as many uh, black polo shirts because black hides. So uh, I, I can wear, like, you know, light-colored shirts now. And it's not so bad. Well, that was the first couple of weeks. And then it started to get harder as, as pizza called. As cookies called, as donuts called. And all of a sudden, my tracking on my Weight Watchers became less and less and less. And my weight loss slowed down and down and went up. <laughs> Was the op what is the opposite of weight loss? Sean. <laughs> because I wasn't persevering. When things got hard, 
I couldn't say no to the temptation of the donut. I couldn't say no to the temptation of the cookie. I couldn't say no to the temptation of the pizza. I didn't persevere. I didn't endure. I didn't run the race till it was over, till I met my goal. I gave up. And I got to go back to doing it. I, I got, I have to go back to doing it. So hold me accountable. Say, Sean, are you tracking? No, don't do that because I don't want to lie in church. Um, to perseverance, we add godliness. What is godliness? I, you know, this is one of those words that I've always wondered, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean to be like God? It means, it means to be devout. It means to be pious. It means to be devoted to God. It means to be holy, to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness, doing the right things all the time, even in a world that nobody does the right things all the time. In the corrupt and sinful world, we do the right things. And then, to godliness, we add brotherly kindness. This is the Greek word Philadelphia. City of brotherly love, right? This is brotherly kindness. This is doing kind things for your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is doing just nice things for people in the church. So look around the room. You have a room full of people here that, for whom you can do nice things. And we should. To encourage one another. To help each other along as we're working out. You know, one of the things that you should have when you work out is like a spotter or a workout partner and they can encourage you as you're working out come on come on you could do it you know have you ever seen that at the gym it's like dude man it's okay all right just just lift the bar for him all right come on you know and the face is all red and everything like that that's encouragement i don't encourage you to encourage other people that way here at church but you know just hey how you doing how are you really doing how can i encourage you can I help you in some way? How can I help you grow in your faith? Because we do this together. It's not, we're not a bunch of lone rangers. Nobody here is Superman. Nobody here is Batman. You know, doing it all by themselves. I'm Batman. No, you're not. You don't have a fortress of solitude. We have a church family. We need to encourage each other and help each other along in our journey of faith. And finally, the last thing we add is the most important is love. This is agape, agape love, unconditional love. Jesus said that the greatest command was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is light, to love others, your neighbor as yourself, to love others. Does that sound familiar at all? To love God and love others and spread the gospel? That's what we're called to do. Even our enemies, Jesus said to love your enemies and tr pray for those who treat you badly. We are to be characterized by love. And what is the result? What is the result of the spiritual workout? Look at verses 8 and 9. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from past sins. We can be... We, if we're not working out, if we're not strengthening our spiritual muscles, we are going to lose muscle mass. We are going to lose strength. We are going to be ineffective and unproductive in our faith. And we will not be able to do the job that God has called us to do, which is to make disciples who love God, love others, and spread the gospel. To, become, to make more disciples and to make better disciples. People who love Jesus more and more and more every day. And if we don't do this, if we do not grow in these things, if we do not exercise our spiritual muscles, 
then we are blind, Peter says. We forget something very important. We're blind and forgetful. And what we forget is that Jesus died for our sins, for our many sins. This is something that we should never, ever forget, that Jesus died for us. So we have God's power, makes us participants in the divine nature. We have our effort to add to our faith all of these eight characteristics as we grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. The last blank on your outline is God's promises. God's promises, verses 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we make every effort, we receive God's promises. We will, first of all, never fall away, meaning that your salvation in Jesus Christ is secure. Now, we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our efforts. We are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. We are not kept saved by our efforts. We do not... Uh, do good deeds. We do not uh, make every effort so that we can stay saved. We are kept saved by God's grace. The reason that we make every effort, the reason that we do all these things and add to your faith good, uh, goodness and knowledge and self-control and godliness and, and the eight things that we talked about, the reason that we do those things is a response to God's grace. It is because God has saved us that we want to be more like Jesus, that we want to become better followers and disciples of Jesus. And when we do that, we will never, as Peter says, we will never fall away. And not only that, but we will receive a rich, abundant welcome into God's kingdom by our Lord Jesus Christ. That there's coming a day when you're going to, you know, you're going to take your last breath on earth, take your first breath in heaven, and there will be Jesus waiting for you. Welcome home. You made it. Enjoy this incredible place that I prepared for you. Forever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. It'll never stop. It is a rich welcome, an abundant welcome into God's eternal kingdom. But we must make every effort as a response to God's grace. We must keep running the race with perseverance. And we will have hope. I have a challenge for you today. I want you to take a look at this list again. Where are you on this list? Where are you at? Maybe you're a brand new Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a month, a couple of months, maybe six months, and you're, you're still working on the faith thing. Keep working on the faith thing. Keep going. Keep working on faith, believing, trusting God for all of your needs, trusting God for healing, trusting God for uh, provision, trusting God for salvation. That's where it starts. Keep exercising those spiritual muscles and then add to your faith goodness. Maybe you're at self-control. Maybe you've plateaued. You know, when you diet and exercise, sometimes you plateau. It's like, man, I've been lifting 200 pounds. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> it's like six weeks here. I'm still lifting 250 pounds. How come I can't add more to it? It's because you plateaued. Maybe you plateaued at self-control. It's time to press on and persevere. Work through that plateau and keep going. Don't give up. Oh, I can't get this self-control thing down. Keep going. Keep working at it. Keep praying. Keep making every effort. Maybe you're a long-time Christian and you're in maintenance mode. Maybe you're, you're, you've worked through these eight things and you've added to your, uh, 
self-control, perseverance, and you've added to perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love, and now you're maintaining, and you're working, all, all your muscles are working together all at the same time. Keep working out, though. Don't, don't give up, and don't get lazy. Our muscles of faith and discipleship need to be worked out on a regular basis. So the challenge is don't give up. Keep going. Working out, you know, anybody who tells you, anybody who works out will tell you it's got to be done more than once a week. If you just work out once a week, you're just going to get more sore and you're not going to build up any solid muscle. You're not going to lose any weight if you don't work out on a regular basis. Same thing goes spiritually. If you think you're going to grow deep in your faith and you think you're going to become a fully devoted, fully surrendered follower of Jesus by coming to church for an hour a week, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you've got to work out your faith on a regular daily basis. Reading your Bible every day. Praying to God, talking to God every day. Every moment of every day if you have to. Praying and reading your Bible during the week. You need to be in a Bible study. And one of the things that we need to do as a church is we need to offer more Bible studies. We need to train people to teach Bible studies and facilitate and lead Bible studies so more people can get involved in Bible study. Because the only way to know God is through His Word. And we need people to study and know their Word. So you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be praying. You need to be in a Bible study. You need to be in fellowship with other people. You need to be in fellowship with other Christians. At our men's Bible study yesterday, we had a great talk about how we need one another. We, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We need to be in regular fellowship with other believers. We have to make every effort. And it is hard work. It is hard work. But if we are going to grow in our faith, and if we are going to become more like Jesus and fully devoted, fully surrendered, fully sold out followers of Christ, disciples of Jesus who follow him wherever he goes, we have got to work out. We have to work out our spiritual muscles. We have to make every effort. And then we will grow in faith and we will have the assurance of salvation that comes by God's grace. And we will receive those heavenly promises. Father God, I pray that you would give us strength and courage to work out our faith. That you would give us power from your Holy Spirit. That you would give us strength uh, to develop things like perseverance and self-control and love. God, may we be devoted and dedicated to Jesus. May we be devoted and dedicated to growing in our faith. That we will not sit idly by waiting for something to happen, but that God, by your grace and power, that you would make things happen in our lives, make things happen in our church, and that we would, uh, by surrendering to your spirit and to surrendering to your power and participating in your divine nature, that God, we would get stronger and more devoted and we would become better followers of Jesus. Thank you for the words of Peter, for the challenge that comes by them. God, sometimes we hear things, we read things that are really hard to hear, that are hard to read. But God, your word is true, and it is strong, and it has the power to change. Change us, make us more like Christ, and it's in his name we pray.